welcome to Trick Talkers, a podcast about trick takers, shedders, climbers, and other card games. We're your hosts, Ryan. I'm Patrick. And things have been a little quiet on the trick takers front the past few weeks. And that was because I was on vacation in Ireland for about two weeks. And a little bit before that, Patrick was in Spain on vacation. So we've been taking some time off and enjoying the summertime, but now we're back. We're in the thick of things. We're, we're going to start hammering down some more episodes for you. So hopefully we have some good content for you to enjoy in the upcoming episodes. I don't know what you'd want to say about that, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, now the cold weather's coming in. Us British, and I suppose you guys as well, sit inside drinking hot chocolate, thinking about trick takers, playing trick takers, and most importantly, recording great episodes for you guys. So for sure, yeah, expect to hear more of us. Uh, more puns as well from me, as I'm sure you'll be looking forward to. Oh, can I request an early Christmas gift for less puns in 2024? Is that possible? <laughs> My heart raced for a second, Ryan, because I really thought you were about to say, can I request an early Christmas gift for Patrick in the form of bottle imp? Mm, I mean, that might be an option, but I would maybe go with the no puns before I'd get you a copy of bottle imp. I don't make promises I can't keep, but we'll see how we get along. We'll see how it goes. And I was about All to right. do one then, so we'll we'll swiftly uh, move this... Well, if if we miss Christmas, there's at least a New Year's resolution we can think about as well. <laughs> there is. We all know how that went last year, although not quite a New Year's resolution. I say last year as if I'm talking about the past. This year, I was talking about my challenge, so I could try and set myself one next year. I'm already thinking about the direction. The no pun of, challenge? <laughs> the no pun challenge and potentially buy less games challenge. Well, I think those could go hand in hand. For every time you buy a game, you can't say a pun. Even if it's like they're ready to go, you got to hold back. That might actually get you to not buy games. That's probably saved me an absolute fortune as well. <laughs> or we could do it like a swear jar where every time you do a pun, you're like, you're not allowed to buy a game or you have to sell a game or trade a game. I don't know. There, We can work out the kinks later, but I like where this is headed. It's painfully nice for those on that are not patrick but i like where it's headed <laughs> of course i also i want to let everyone know too that i don't actually like hate your puns it might seem that way and, and i know it's sort of just become a bit so many that you do i just honestly don't know how to react to them most of the time so i just usually sigh or just make fun of them or try to move on from them I won't say I love them. I sometimes join in too. You do. But for the most part, I'm very just blase blah on it. <laughs> I just don't know what to do when you say them. So I just try to move away and pretend they don't happen. Ubiquitous with the podcast. It's interwoven in the fabric of Trick Talkers podcast. That's the problem. It's almost inseparable from the, the content we produce. People are so accustomed to hearing them. I remember we had the comment once, Ryan that I'd missed an opportunity to make a pun when one was clearly possible. So it's getting a fine, it's a fine balance. Yeah, we had a listener that was a little worried that you didn't make a pun. So, yeah. Sometimes I say them and you'll miss them and the tumbleweed will go by. But <laughs> nevertheless, at least somebody at home might appreciate it. But we'll see what next year brings. Can't make promises I can't keep. New Year's resolutions. I know everybody's looking forward to those and we'll see if we can set some ourselves, I suppose. Of course. Well, that was a very long intro about was. puns or not puns that I was not planning on. 
resolutions or, or not. And yeah, so that's where Trick Talkers looks like they're headed for the future. And as Sounds far wild. as the past and what has happened, like we mentioned, we were on vacation and I just came back from Ireland, what, four, five days ago now. And I went with my wife, my wife's sister and my wife's sister's friend. So it was the four of us. And I was really the only gamer amongst the, the four of us. Michelle, my wife, does play a little bit of games here and there. So we didn't really play a lot of games the whole two weeks oh, I was there. I'm not sure I believe that, Ryan. I, I know you in terms of I know you wouldn't have gone empty-handed to any country without at least a few in your bag. Of course. Playing games versus bringing games with you is completely different <laughs> <Right>. things. <laughs> It's always the intention. Good intentions. Yes. I did bring the Bridge City poker box that is the like makeshift haggis. I brought that that had haggis in it, along with a regular deck of playing cards, Nana, uh, and Cat Poker. Those were all the games that I brought with me to, you know, cross my fingers, hope we got something played. And because it was my birthday during the vacation, (laughs) I was able to get that one day where everyone was like, all right, it's your birthday. We'll play all the games that you want. And also, it was a really crappy weather day, as you'd expect in Ireland. Most of the time, it's rainy you and windy. You can't go to Ireland without a crappy weather day, yeah. Yeah, we actually got really lucky with the weather. It was beautiful, like 90% of the time. It was like mid-60s or 70s Fahrenheit. You can, for all you Europeans, can figure out what that Celsius is. <laughs> But yeah, you but mine's boggled already. Yeah. So it was really nice though. Very sunny, a little bit of wind, like not at all what you'd expect Ireland's weather to be right now. But there was like a couple days throughout where it was really crappy and it happened to be on my birthday. So I was like, oh, this is fine. We'll just stay in and, and play games. So I was able to play Crass Carrier or Delt, which is designed by Katja Stremel. I was able to play Cat Poker and Nana which are both designed by Kaya Miano and also played Haggis by Sean Ross. These sound very Irish. Of course. And so there's a whole bit to that as well, which I'll get to in a moment. Okay. But Cat Poker was probably the least enjoyed game out of everybody. And Nana was the most enjoyed game by everybody. Actually, I mean, sadly, I'd probably say Haggis was the least enjoyed, but that's only because we didn't get to finish the game. It was a little bit above the threshold of learning and the game that right. the people wanted to play. Again, they were more just indulging me because it was my birthday. You're beating them into submission. It's your birthday. <laughs> this is your time to do what we love doing. Right? Yeah. And of course, and I did warn them ahead of time saying, this is going to be a bit heavier of a game than you're expecting. It's not going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, there's going to be a lot more rules. Before we even started playing, I was like, are you sure you want to play? And they're like, no, no, we're, we'll play at least one hand. So we got through one hand and, and that was about it. But Nana was a huge hit. We played that, I think, like six times or something like that. And it's such a Moorish game, isn't it? It's one of those games where you play it and you're like, oh, OK, should we do it again? It's such a fast paced great little cute little game yeah very very big hit i did actually mention the rule uh where when you collect the cards you have to make the noise of an animal like you do as well and it wasn't until i think it was like maybe the third game in so that was a fun little addition we we brought in halfway through and uh dealt one over really well we we played that one time but that was enjoyed and then cat poker because everybody enjoyed Nana so much, 
and they were sort of expecting a similar vibe while playing cat poker and it was a very different game i just don't think it landed as well it might have been different if we played that first okay but we're, we're just for clarity purposes we're endorsing the animal noises here right of course after a few guinnesses or jameson whiskeys whatever you your beverage of choice was probably not beer i know you're not a massive fan ryan but whatever you were indulging in in ireland yeah we were we were drinking whiskey right okay so when people glazed over with these rules explanations was that partly a culprit uh not really because by the time we were playing was still earlier in the day so we weren't that far into the the whiskeys that we had and michelle at that point actually hadn't had anything to drink so she was sober through the whole teach (laughs) but she just doesn't really like heavier games and you know it's it it's not i don't want to say it's weird to say that haggis is a heavy game because it is especially when you compare it to nana or these lighter party games that they're usually accustomed to playing specifically michelle the other two people we play with her sister and her sister's friend like never play games no that's interesting it's good to have the context as well in terms of you know where they play games often and i agree that haggis can feel a little bit heavier and especially we're very accustomed to playing these types of games and perhaps for people who do it's going to be an easier landing uh, to learn the game right so that that is it's relative so cat poker there's about a million different cat and dog games out there now this is my problem ron we've got pups but we won't talk about pups because obviously that that's great that still haven't played my copy sacrilege i know cat in the box cat and dog team dog tag trip trip trick the list goes on doesn't it so what made cat poker i'm curious to know now because i'm I, I like poker okay i've got a game called pandante the panda poker game what made it flop then why wasn't it meowing for you what was it sorry purring to be specific <laughs> so to start i'll actually say i like cat poker the copy that i brought wasn't actually mine it was a friend's copy that i borrowed because like two days before I left for Ireland, I played with them. I played a three-player game, and I really enjoyed it. And then I played about like an hour later in between playing other trick-taking games. We went back to it, played it at three players again, and then I played it at four players. And I was like, this game's great. I think Michelle mm-hmm. would really like this. It's very quick. It's snappy. It's light rules, just like Nana. And it's got very cute art. So I thought that it would be just as good as Nana but still having a different vibe and a different game after we maybe got a little sick of playing Nana. And I think the issue is that it with cat poker, and I guess to give the quickest overview of how it plays Mm -hmm. on your turn, you are either drawing a card into your hand or playing a card from your hand or saying meow, meow and announcing that you have the correct meld to win the game. There are specific types of melds that you need to have in your hand. Maybe it's four D's or three C's or the F and the G, but there's like seven card meld, six card meld, five cards, four cards, three cards, two cards. You have to have those cards and those cards only in your hand at the start of your turn. There are ways to, if you play an A, it makes people pass cards to your left. So you might get other cards in your hand. So yeah, and if you had the medal that time and it's not your turn, you can't announce it. But the, right. th- the idea is 
you're trying to play the cards from your hand that aren't the appropriate melds. So if you need four Ds, but you have four Ds and an E, you want to play that E from your hand so you only have the four Ds in your hand. But the thing is, that's your turn. Your whole turn is playing the cards. So now you have to wait until everyone else takes a turn before it comes back to you. So you have to hope somebody doesn't play an A and makes you pass one of your cards. So that's the idea of the game at a, in a quick nutshell. And I just, it, while it, it wasn't like it was bad and nobody hated it, it just, I don't think the fun and the silliness that comes from Nana in the way of the memory aspect and the asking for your highest or lowest. And then when you know where something is and being able to discover it and like, oh, you played the 12 three turns ago when I asked for your highest, but the next person forgot. And just like having that information and just hoping the next person messes up. There's a lot of those highs and lows and really funny moments. Whereas cat poker is a little bit more straightforward a little right. bit more, uh, I can't really, know. I'm not, not sure what the appropriate word is. Coughing up furballs, you're coughing <laughs> yeah. up furballs. That's the thing, because you've already incorporated the animal noises into Nana now. So this man, meow, meow, straight away is on the back foot, okay? And I've just got a picture of you guys sat in a pub somewhere in Ireland, local Irish folks sat around, and there's these people meowing, playing poker cards. It sounds... <sighs> I hate to say it, it sounds interesting and I know you don't use that word very often Ryan because only so certain <laughs> games get your interesting award but I think from my perspective I've got so many of these dog and cat trick taking games and you know, the bow wow, the meows, the dog and cat team I think uh, I'm good for now and I can understand why something would sit in the shadow of Nana because Nana, we talk about it a lot, it's such a great game the Delton Crest Carrier, it's a different beast, and we've often compared that with Scout, the Hatchy Trains, and we talked about that, certainly with Haggis as well. But that caught my interest, the Cat Poker specifically, because it's just a game that we haven't really spoken about here before. Yeah, and I think the word I'm looking for is mechanical. Right. You You have thoughts, and you can make decisions on your turn, but they're sort of limited, and it doesn't feel clever. You know what you're going for as far as melds are. You can have an idea. You might need to pivot halfway through. Mm -hmm. And you can look at to see what your opponents have. Like, does your opponent have four cards in their hand? There's probably a good chance they have a four-card meld. So do you play an A if you have it in your hand to force them to pass a card? But then what card do you pass them? You don't want to pass them a card that actually helps make their meld that they were going for. So, like, there are some points where you have decisions, but otherwise I feel like the the funny moments and the silliness that comes from a lot of those party games, and again, this is specifically because we just played Nana before mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. The, like, the highs that came from playing Nana and the excitement and enjoyment from that and then going to a game that was a little bit more mechanical, I think just made it not hit as well. well it's funny you say that because we played Mino dice by manfred rand uh randall Rand butchering pronunciations butchering designers names throughout the years apologies mino dice is basically skulking the dice game in fact i believe the german version of it is skulking the dice game mino dice re-implements it yeah. one group i played it with 
didn't land amazingly. The guy who I play with regularly sort of said, well, if you've got Skulking, you don't really need Mino Dice. So I thought, went away thinking, okay, fine. You know, that's their opinion. They've got Skulking, they absolutely love it. Then played it with another group of people who are also massive fans of Skulking, but said, do you know what? The fact that you told us beforehand to strap ourselves in, forget about any sense of trying to have serious control over the game and made it a really light-hearted affair kind of set the scene for a lot of raucous fun so i think mino dice is a potentially fantastic game but also a potential flop depending on who you bring this out with and if you set the scene accordingly to go in there raucous fun it's basically skulking take all the rules you know about skulking put them into dice, and basically when you're playing a card, you're playing a dice, you don't know what that's going to be, you're rolling it, whereas in Skulking you, you know what it's going to be, right? I know you've played this, this Ryan, but it, it's a laughter generator, basically, and for me it hits similar highs to, to Nana. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head by saying that it is a game that you have to go in right out the gate knowing it's going to be silly and it's going to be raucous fun if you're trying to go in and be more strategic you're not going to like this game right it's like hitting your head against a brick wall for those who even though i pitched that to the first group in a sense they sort of said well i preferred the tactical strategic play of skulking even though the irony here right is we always regard skulking and skulking (laughs) is widely regarded as a party style trick taker yeah there is still more control in Skulking because at least you know the card you're playing is the card you're playing rather than a dice you're playing, which could be one of many different potential numerical values. Yeah, you have the Skulking card in the regular card game. You know it's the Skulking, but in Mino Dice or Skulking the Dice game, when you have that die, it could also be a white flag, which is the lowest card. So you literally have a die that could guarantee win or could guarantee lose. You absolutely have to expect that you're probably missing your bid more than you're hitting it, even if you make the correct bid on what you have. Yeah, 100%. And that that's the danger. It could be a skulking or a, or a minotaur, or it could easily just be a surrender flag. And that's the. it's not a problem in context as long as you know what you're getting yourself into so make sure that your group is okay with random silly fun i'd say that also applies to skulking to be honest but with less obviously with more control even with 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 skulking and in mino dice the bags are lovely to which hold the dice even uh the player the player stands a nice it's a nice production minotaur themed you're saying grow, grow, growl instead of <laughs> yo, ho, ho. Some people might not be comfortable with the grow, grow, growls. I did find that with one of my groups. The rest of us just got on with it and started growling. It was really weird, surreal experience, Ryan. Where'd you go from there? You're not meowing, you're grow, grow, growling. Have you stretched to grow, grow, growling? No, we actually were just doing yo, ho, ho, only because we're so used to that. Yeah, because we've played Skull King a lot of times that it's just like ingrained in our brain to say that. It's probably slightly cooler, isn't it? Yo, ho, ho. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, but there we go. I'm all for embracing change, though, so... Now, one thing I do want to mention, to be mindful, if you do manage to grab a copy of Mino Dice, 
there were some issues with the dice themselves. There's the mermaid and the griffin, which are the blue and green dice that come in the game. And there was an issue in my copy and a few others where they're reversed. They're supposed to be, I want to say it's three griffin and two mermaids. Right, but right. in some copies, it's the other way around. If that does happen to your copy, you can reach out to Platy, the publisher. And from the time of this recording and from when I last heard from one person who did it, they were able to send a replacement die. Now, the person who did this also felt guilty about having them to ship to the U.S. because they're a you know Korean publisher sending a single die. The shipping is super expensive. So they actually bought another game from them at the same time to help cover that. So if you're looking at some of the other games, I'd recommend looking at that in case that does happen to you. And just to be clear, Ryan, so what are people looking for? So if folks grab this at home, just to reiterate, the Griffin dice and the Mermaids, are they incorrect on the instruction manual, but they're not correct on the actual dice themselves? So yeah, the number of dice you get are incorrect, but the player aids in the rulebook will tell you the correct amount. Hey, future Ryan here. The correct amounts that you should have in your box are three green griffin dice and two blue mermaid dice. If you ended up getting the three blue mermaid dice and two green griffin dice, those are the incorrect amounts. Oh, you got me paranoid now about my copy. It's something I'm going to have to... I didn't know that. So there we go. You learn something every day, don't you, in these uh, podcasts? Oh, yeah. The next game that I've played, I've been busy with, was Mew by Doris Mathaus. And that game is interesting because you are playing in teams. We played as a four-player game where there were, there is a chief, essentially, who the aggressive player who's bidding all their cards to say, you, you bid cards at the start of a round in Mew. And from those cards, you can select a trump if you play the most cards out in front of you. Could now, be a number trump. Sorry, I want to cut you off just a little bit. We've actually had this game as a high request from a lot of listeners for us to do a full episode on. So I just want to also preface all of this by saying we will spend more time on this game in more detail. We both really enjoy this game, and then there's definitely going to be more conversation about this game in the future. Uh, but anyways, take it away, Patrick. Sorry. So that's cool. So we played Moo by Doris Mathaus, and Mew is a game where... Is this deja vu now? It's gonna get <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get a lot of coverage from us in the future. As Ryan's is this the up. future right now? This is the future right now. So Mew. Uh, when will then be now? And more. Yeah. You ever seen Spaceballs? No. Is that Grand Lock Groundhog Day? You gotta see Spaceballs. It's a fantastic movie. It is um it's a parody of Star Wars. A Mel Brooks oh, nice. movie. Well I'm I'm down for a parody of Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. They do a bit where talk about well when will then be now? I don't want to ruin it. You just got to see it. It's good. And how for now? No, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. I'll attempt to start it again. <laughs> I, play, I played Mew by Doris Mathaus. <laughs> Mew came in a box called Mew and more. There is Mew and lots more. There's a few different. I think they're the only two, but check it. You can also play Mew on Trickster's table 
app if you're curious about the game and would like to learn it there's a great tutorial on there right we're going to give it more coverage in the future and get into the nitty-gritty of the rules you can't play because you, you can't play mew on trickster's table oh but you could no you Wait. could play it on board game arena oh yeah right there is an app called mew where you can play mew okay <laughs> and it's an old app <laughs> But the game works fine. I bought it to learn the rules and try it out. Mew hasn't got the most straightforward rule set. However, for someone who does play shedding games and climbing games and trick takers in general, this one is not too much to tackle. The game most reminds me of Nikosu Dice. Clearly you haven't got dice, but there is a number trump and a suit trump, and that's why it reminds me of Nikosu Dice. But also, you are playing in teams. Most likely, there's going to be a chief who's trying to bully the table, determine the one of the trumps, and there is also going to be a... somebody else, I a, believe there are... A deputy, A vice, a vice, who's going to determine the other trump, which is going to be a weaker trump. And essentially, what you're trying to do is score a number of points and the point threshold you can score depends on how aggressive the chief is when they're putting cards in front of them if the thresholds hit that's great the chief and their partner score additional points but if it's not hit the chief has to face a penalty and the opposing team score additional points too like i said we're going to go into it we're going to give it a deep dive from you because i think it deserves it so, without getting into all the nitty-gritties of the rule, it is an intriguing game, well worth a look. Have you played Mew, Ryan, just out of interest? Yes, I have played it, actually, only online with various people, pretty much only at five players, as you'll hear from a lot of people, that's like the best player count for it. Mm, I have that. I'm really excited to try and play it with my local group that we play Monday nights with. We've been talking about it for a while. We have a copy in the group, so we are trying to get it planned, but I love this game. It's so good. Like you said, it's very reminiscent of Nokus Dice with the different layers of Trump, having a super Trump and a regular Trump, and it's got a little bit of the Nyet vibes with that variable teams changing every round, mm -hmm. and while in Nyet you're choosing specific things on how you determine what's Trump and super Trump as a table... You're essentially doing that in Mew as well with the cards you reveal, because that's how Trump and Super Trump can ultimately be determined. The cards that you reveal dictate what allows you to choose as Trump when you're that player. So if you want green to be Trump, you have to reveal a green card. If you don't do that, then you can't pick green. So it's those things to keep in mind when you look at your hand and what to reveal. So yeah, I, I absolutely love this game. It's and the trick play is relatively straightforward, actually. Yeah, it's relatively straightforward. And like you say, it's that dilemma. You're revealing your cards. You're showing the table your hand. But then at the same time, you're then using the same cards to to determine from, like you said, Brian. So that, that's the difficulty. That's the mind game that's going on with Mew. And obviously, the, the different cards covering different amount of points if they're one in trick play. There's a lot on the table. And... I will say my group, one of my regulars, isn't a massive fan of team games. But even if I move the physical copy on for that reason, I will certainly be playing it on my mobile with the Mew app. Like I said, we've got nothing, no affiliation with them. 
but I know there's a, a small fee for it and I was recommended to download the app by somebody in the community and I've been having a good time with it so far. So that's just putting it out there if you're curious about Moo, Mew, well, <laughs> give it some more coverage and do it justice in future. And it's on Board Game Arena, also known as BGA, so you can try it there for free as well. But does the app have AI? Can you play against bots? Yeah, okay, you can yeah. play against bots. I'm not sure how intelligent they are. I know they've got variable <laughs> levels where you can adjust the difficulty. So I think there is some scope there for quite a bit of replayability, even if you want to do it on your own. Well, well the bots are still good in general, just as far as like learning yeah. the rules versus BGA. It's you got to have people. So either you're being taught the rules there or you're playing but it's just good if you want to practice you know having a yeah and i used it as a stepping stone to teach the game i thought well learn it on the app then go and teach that's the price you pay to teach games ryan you either wait till it's your birthday and then hopefully you've got everybody's attention or you pay for an app learn the rules so that the people aren't on the phones when you're trying to teach the game oh yeah the vicious cycle of gaming it is swings and roundabouts isn't it yeah well, that's what we have been up to recently, I think, as far as games we've been playing and or vacationings. You were playing those games when you were in Spain, right? That was sort of your vacation games while you were away. So I actually went on a trip in the UK and, well, not for Mino Dice, but for Mew is where I played Mew. Mm. So away in the UK, if you like, it's not quite the same though, Ryan. I, I did go to Spain. Hey, but... a vacation is a vacation no matter where you go. That is true. That is true. So the lovely sunny UK was where Mew was played on a bus journey to the abyss. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Sold it to you, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. It's just because I can't remember where I went to, so I'm just throwing in words that make it sound like it was cool. Perfect. Well, speaking of other non-abyss locations that <laughs> many, 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 many people go to for vacation around this time of the year is Essen. So the largest board game convention in the world is held in Essen, Essen, Germany, every year. And that was a week ago now. As always at every Essen and most conventions, there are a lot of new games that are coming out, new games that you can play test, new games you can check out, new games to buy, all about the new stuff, you know? <laughs> all about the new stuff. And this year at Essen was no different. There were a lot of trick-taking games that were available. There is a BGG preview page that lists 28 titles for trick-taking games specifically. There were definitely some others because there's some on here that that aren't listed that were definitely for sale or to play there. But just to name a few, there's Hund, which is the Korean edition reprint of Ebes, designed by Klaus Geis. The Academy, which is designed by Manny Dominguez. It's like the asymmetrical powers, sort of akin to Trick Takers, from what I've been hearing. I don't know too much about it. No, you I'm don't know anything about Trick Takers, do you? you, you I, mean, I definitely know nothing about no, Trick Takers. Nothing, nothing. And then a big one that was talked about a lot was Nokus Dice, the third edition. It actually is a completely new version. It's a bigger box. It has new components in it. And there are slightly different rules. Extra dice. There are extra dice because there's zero bid dice now. There's a little, um, I guess, like container to put the die in. It looks really silly. <laughs> and then you have these little like player boards you can put your dice on. 
Uh, like I said, there's also a couple of new rules changes, and I don't know all of them because I haven't been able to look at the third edition rules, but I know one that's been highly contested or talked about is the way zero bidding works. Mm. And essentially, the the new zero bid is you need to decide when you're drafting dice to take one of those zero bid dice and then remove another die from the draft pool versus the rules as they are now you wait till all of the drafting is done and then decide if you're going to bid zero or not and if you do you remove one of the dice you already drafted right you got that zero card haven't you so i can see why it's a point of contention i'm sure you can ryan as well because one the original way you're making an informed decision when you know what trump is or two you're saying that you're going for zero when you haven't got the complete picture i suppose that will depend on your play style certain people might like the extra chaos of not knowing but i without having played the third edition will caveat because it's impossible to get hold of even for the likes of us at the moment i've only played the original way the sound of it appeals to me more but there's nothing stopping you picking up the third edition and, and doing that anyway right yeah i mean you can easily play the other rules if you have the third edition you can just play the original second edition and if you have the second edition you could play the third edition because the zero dice are essentially nothing there's not it's just a black die so you can just use the card in place of it and then just remove the die during drafting so it seems easy to play either version with either edition that you have now the one thing that i actually thought about it the newer rule set kind of reminds me of something like teach you okay where you're calling a grand teach you you don't have all the information yet you're choosing to make a bit of zero before you have your entire hand that's an interesting comparison i'd, I'd never have thought teach you but that now you say it yeah yeah and whether or not that's better or worse for this game will of course be up to every individual like you said, having the informed decision of waiting until all of the dice have been drafted, knowing exactly what the Trump number and color will be is a huge difference versus doing it you know, earlier during the drafting. I guess for me, unless they've changed the way scoring works for going zero, I don't know if it's going to be better as far as a high risk, high reward situation. If the bonus for going zero in the new edition is worth more, because you're having to decide earlier, then I could see it being a really cool addition. Mm-hmm, 100%. It's just whether they've decided, the designers have sort of, perhaps they've concluded they think the bonus for zero in the original edition, maybe they thought, well, that's too generous. I don't I don't know. I'd like to have been a fly on the wall. Maybe it's because they're introducing new components, wanting to simplify, streamline. We don't have the information. We can only speculate until... Perhaps at one point I decide to randomly <laughs> tweet the designer is what I normally do. Of course. Uh, I suppose this game is really difficult to get hold of anyway at the moment. But if you don't own Nikosu dies, really, there's no reason why you wouldn't pick up the third edition when hopefully it becomes more widely available. And it, it will be. Yeah. This game is so adored by so many. It gets talked about a lot with this whole boom of trick taking a lot of people are talking about trick takers this one gets covered on a lot of podcasts youtube channels etc so this one will eventually get picked up by somebody to go bigger 
I realised I missed my pun earlier when you were like, there's loads of games at Essen for sale. I was like, I didn't see for sale there. Mm. Drum roll. Is that a pun though? For sale? Usually a pun requires you to have to like play on the words. If I said for sale and you just said for sale, would that technically be a pun? And see this, like I said, this is how I have to react to your puns because I don't know how to otherwise. I, I think you've sunk, you've sunk my ship there. Yeah, that that's a weird one. It's a bit of wordplay. I think wordsmithing, word playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's something, I guess. Yeah, it is. Nikosu so keep does. an eye out. Yeah, <laughs> Nokosu, no, Nokus Dice. You're going to make me say Nokosu. Nokus Dice. No clue dice. Third yeah. edition, new changes. And so, okay, another thing I wanted to mention too. I Honestly, I love when games make these little changes because it becomes such like a hot topic mm-hmm. in the specific niche areas that these games are played no matter like whether it's these trick-taking card games or regular board games i just think it's so funny how like heated conversations can get when there are these changes like when seas of strife came out and the whole texas showdown versus the original strife versus what seas of strife what rules are they going to use with the face cards the highest numbers in every suit and how like people get so angry like well i can't believe they messed up they could have put the strife rules and they decided to do the texas showdown and I always think it's hilarious when like people get so worked up and so worried about what's the right rules to play. It's like, it doesn't matter. Just play with one of them. See how it goes. Play with the other. See how it goes. Try the other one. Right? Yeah. And then pick the one you like best. And it's what you like best. Who cares what everyone else thinks? Because that's not the only game. That's not the only game on that's come out at Essen that has had a change to rules. Because 12 chip trick by root, just to name a few. <laughs> by root no just that's that's a separate <laughs> oh boy christ you want to try that 12, one again 12 chip trick by root also has a rule change doesn't it ryan i don't know if you spotted this one but i believe now instead of going over 21 and then having you score score cutting yeah, it was half going before. over 21 and having you score cut in half. Now the game is sort of saying, well, players are going to bust. So basically, 12 chip trick is a free player, really cool little game. I don't know if they've changed the player count as well, but they have. perhaps they have. It's they a have. two to okay. four player game now. They've added additional right. chips. So it's not Otherwise, just 12 chips anymore. No, the irony of the name, right? And it was used originally played on little crocodile wooden pieces that like a real cool indie production. Yeah, the I new version they... looks fantastic, though. I will give it Mandu, it Dame, Mandu Games did a great job. Yeah, it looks, looks really nice. The artwork as well. Certainly nicer than a few crocodile chips on a table. <laughs> yeah. But both rule sets are included. And I believe the original rule set is now a variant for the no bust, which was the original rules from Tokyo Games Market previously. So the original rules, you go over 21, you score half of what you would have otherwise got. And so anyone who goes over can effectively still score points. Whereas in the new rules, they're basically saying if you go over 21, you bust. Without going into too much detail about the game itself, again, we sure we'll cover this in more detail future to me don't know what your opinion is you've played this game the original rule set seems a bit more 
care there. It's a bit nicer for other players because they still, still feel like they have a chance to to catch up, in my opinion. Looking at that and not having played this busting version. See, I actually like the being able to half your score, not because it's more care bear or nicer, but there's mm-hmm. actually strategy around that. Because if you manage to collect all of the highest numbers, the 12, 11, 10, and 9, that's 42, which if you half is 21. So if you manage yep. to get all of the highest numbers, you can do just as well as someone who does the best and gets the 21 points. So there's the idea of, I mean, quote unquote, shooting the moon. It's not really, but the idea that there's an alternate way to play the game of going, okay, well, if I'm already going too high, let's try to go all the way versus I've gone over. There's nothing I do to get back and I'm just not going to score anything. Yeah, you're screwed. You're, you've gone over. That's it. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Now, of course, I also haven't played with the new way where you bust when you go over 21. So I don't know how ruthless or difficult it's going to be. I, I would be interested to to give it a try and see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I almost wish they'd put classic rules. But they do They do mention, you know, from 2022 Tokyo Games Market, and the production does look phenomenal. So there are reasons to pick this up. And, of course, you, as we always say, you play it the way you want to play it, but at least they've included it. So that, that was nice of them to, to do that to, as a throwback to the uh, original because so many of these games, people who are coming into them for the first time, not having the prior information perhaps just play it the one way, not really like it, but then could have played it that way, but didn't find it in the rule book. So it's nice, the strings of their bow that they've done that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, that's another thing too, you know, variants. Right. People, you know, have sometimes issues with variants. They just want to know what's the one way to play this game? What's the way that you designed it, you recommend it to be played? And if that's not the right way and it's played wrong and you're not even going to waste your time with the variants if it didn't go well. So making sure you pick the potentially better rule set as the main rules versus it being the variant, also something you have to consider. Yeah. Community endorsed. Trick takers, trick talkers. I always do that. Trick talkers endorsed, whatever you like. Uh, Keen to play it the other way as well, like yourself. What else we got from Essen? Well, we have a game that we both are actually getting copies of, which is Wizard's Cup. That is designed by Seiji Kanai. Uh, This is the designer of Love Letter and many other games. A very prolific designer, especially in the Japanese small card game world. And the new game they had at Essen was Wizard's Cup. I was immediately intrigued by this game when reading the synopsis about it and a couple people saying that it's very similar to Challenger's. And then also a little similar to Dual Boy. Of course, it's got Dual Boy roots, then you'll be dead interested. When Yeah, when you tell me those games, I'm in. I'm already in 100%. Hmm. I haven't actually played it yet, but I've heard a lot of good things from people who have played it at Essen. So I am really looking forward to getting this game played. It was sold to me, Ryan, as a rock, paper, scissor-ish, the card game, choose your team, auto battler flip them over compare you know who's got the highest value you've then got special powers on some of the cards but i think what interested me the most for this is pick it up and play it really quickly but also for the potential meta game both players having the same deck of cards to choose from thinking and then overthinking oh he's done this because x y and z to me that's really 
where I think it will shine, not from just playing it once, but from playing it perhaps with the same person, getting into each other's headspace, psychologically manipulate, manipulating your wizards. I didn't think I'd get that in the same sentence, but there it is. Yeah, and I know uh, Candace Harris had their most recent episode, the BGG podcast, number 28, that she had Paula Deming on. They talked about Wizards Cup in that as well. So if you want to hear a little bit more about it from someone who has played it, I would recommend checking that out. We can put the link in the show notes. Bit of a bear to get this one, actually. I had to acquire one from Germany from someone on BGG. I believe it sold out to Essen. We can hope, though, for a wider reprint in terms of availability. Can't guarantee it, of course, as with all these games. But if you are looking for it, perhaps BGG is a good place to to start. Yeah, I got lucky. Candace was amazing and was able to get me a copy because, again, as soon as I heard about it, I knew Candace was going and we were chatting about her going and games she was looking forward to and asked if there was any trick takers she would should keep an eye out for and i said forget trick takers get wizard's cup <laughs> wizard's cup you know it's... and yeah so she was able to get a copy for herself and thankfully was able to get me one so i'm super thankful for that so thank you candace do you know what i did ryan I, I i made an error so i committed a u-turn on this one i originally put it on a friend went to sm for me debbie who's in the community really appreciates her for grabbing some games for me put it on my list of, of games to acquire Took it off, panicked, saw like two or three BGG reviews that were quite low and thought, oh, well, maybe I'm going a bit crazy here. And then, of course, the good ones started to trickle in. It was getting hyped up in the community and I fell for the hype and I thought, wow, no, actually this game, Dual Boy Roots, right? It's got to be good. So had to then track it down on BGG, ended up more expensive. Happens to us all, doesn't it? But still one I'm looking forward to playing and I know I have no doubt that we'll both be talking about it. Can't let Ryan Moonshoots have it and me not have a Wizard's Cup. Well, who knows? It might become like your bottle imp where you just keep getting one and selling one. <laughs> just getting keep one. getting a copy of it. Just keep doing u Yeah. Oh. Uh, another one that was at Essen, which I actually played before. I'm not sure how they got a copy of it somewhere, but was able to play Rebel Princess. This is designed mm-hmm. by four different people. Daniel Byrne... Jose Gerardo Guerrero, Kevin Pelez, and Terso Virgos. You could correct pretty, me on any good of those. Spanish pronunciation there, yeah. Ryan. I think I'll let you have that one, yeah. Okay. For an English speaker, yeah, I think that's pretty impressive. Okay, well, there we go. I'll take it. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, Rebel Princess is essentially hearts with a lot of twists. Character abilities, special powers, different things happening every round. But the idea of it is it's a trick avoidance game. You're not trying to take these negative point cards. There's the heart suit and essentially the queen of spades, which is the, like the frog, which I think the theme is hilarious in this game. You're all princesses trying to avoid suitors. So the negative point suit is a bunch of princes trying to ask you to marry you. It's like marriage proposals. As you do, all in the space of a half an hour card game, right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, I played this one time three people i liked it again i like abilities i like asymmetrical powers trick takers being one of my favorite games but i could see this being problematic with people who might like hearts because the idea of hearts is it's bare bone basic straightforward it's a very good game for what it does rebel princess starts to add in all these extra things and makes a little bit more needlessly complicated for some people 
I was always one of these people, Ryan, who enjoyed hearts, but then would always look at the different variants that you can throw in. Okay, you know, Jack of Diamonds, it's a classic variant, but I would always, always looking for that next, the way to ramp up the chaos, the way to take it to the next level. Sounds like Rebel Princess does this, but I'm always cautious. I had St. Patrick. I'm ashamed to say I never played it, moved it on. That otherwise known as Salvage. That, that game there's a heart hearts style variant in terms of scalability i suppose you, you say you played with three three of the people so you played as a four uh three people three people right and that seemed to work well did it because hearts is clearly a four player card game yeah it, it, it worked well with three i think it'd be better with four okay but i mean it might be equal i'm not sure it's hard to say because because of the abilities and everything, some of them seem like they'd be better at other player counts versus others. Right, because I've got this on the, on the way, so I'm curious to, to understand it, and obviously we'll probably give it some more coverage. To what extent, the game you don't know anything about, that trick-takers game, to what, to what extent do the characters, you've got the, the different princesses that do different things, and the, the, the rounds where... I believe that the rules change slightly every round to keep it fresh. To what extent does it, you see any overlap with that and the the asymmetrical ability? Uh, very little. Right. The abilities you have, like the character-specific abilities, they're all one-time use per round, mm-hmm. and they're relatively basic. Like there was one where you make the person who's leading the trick play a random card instead of a card of their choice. There's another right. one where after card is played in the trick, you can then put a card back in your hand and replace it with something else. So they weren't, they aren't as extravagant and as involved as trick takers are. I think the round abilities are a little bit more, but I think that's the idea of the game is that the character abilities and round abilities by themselves are a little bit less and more straightforward. But when you add all of that together, it becomes more. So on a chaos perspective, chaos level. Yeah, I'd say the chaos is a little higher in this one, especially if you're comparing it to its original game, Hearts. Hearts is, I'd say, probably one of the least chaotic games ever for trick-taking because yeah, for sure. you know the goal. Don't take the heart suit. That's it. There's no like hidden things. There's no weird tricks up anybody's sleeves. Unless you can, you can add in crazy variants, but still, even the variants aren't even anywhere as crazy as Rebel Princess's powers. So you absolutely need to be prepared that there's going to be way more chaos in Rebel Princess, but still playing the original Hearts game. Right, Hearts the party version, or as some might say, a light-hearted affair. Mm-hmm. There's a pun. We had to get the romance connection in there with the affair and things. I think that's probably the first proper pun I've done all episode. We talked about how my sale, we destroyed my sale one, which was a word plague and not an actual <laughs> pun. So I just have to get one in there. That was now. pretty good. It was almost a twofer. So appreciate it. Yeah. Well, any other games from Essen that you wanted to mention quickly? Notable mentions very briefly Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard, sold out by Gayton both Bio Janet looks really cool. Obviously, I've got the Jekyll and versus Hyde game, so having a co-op version of it sounds neat. Look forward to trying it and reporting back on how I get on with that. Really dig a nice cooperative trick taker. 
and also Hund, which is the Korean edition reprint of Ebbs by Klaus Geis. I think I said that nicely. Ebbs itself, I like it. It's a fun game. I prefer the look of the production. It's more dogs. I mean, you can never have enough dogs or cats in these these games. The irony more is that, animals. So I highlighted that earlier. People love them. Yeah, myself yeah, yeah, included. Exactly. People love them. Yeah, unless you're just strictly like a dog person or a cat person and won't go the other way, you're limiting your market share. But I suppose it's cute, isn't it? But I thought I'd bring it up just because it looks cool. Uh, Ebbs, like I say, good game. But throw in dogs and who knows where the fun might go. I don't really know if that's come out right. but <sighs> I, I do like the look of Hund, but I think Ebbs having... Klaus sitting in the chair. There's that postcard you get of him sitting in the chair. It's just the best. Unless they're going to somehow redo that with him like sitting with with a bunch of dogs around him or something. I I don't know if you can top that. I mean, when we play Ebis, we we always say, oh, you've been kicked in the Ebs. You know, when you kind of, you you give people negative cards or you kick me in the Ebs. You can't really make that joke with a hun, can you? So where'd you go from there that is limiting but but looks cool so believe that covers most of these yeah in a nutshell i mean you know there's always plenty more to talk about but i think yeah probably loads i know there was like shtick for shtick Mm -hmm. oh shtick for shtick yeah murder mystery deduction social deduction who who's done it kind of game wasn't it reminds me of the wastic drafting with with basically that as a game yeah and that game is designed by marcus leon Oh, I mean, I'm interested to see how that one goes. I feel like that one's had mixed discussion from people who have read the rules. So I'd be interested to see how it goes once people start playing it. Yeah, me too. I was going to pick it up. My biggest fear with that is whether it becomes obvious very quickly what who the culprit is and what the murder weapon is. And then as to whether the rest of the trick play feels redundant. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's a wrong assumption or a wrong way of thinking about the game and I, I I and I know you Ryan would be curious to hear from people who perhaps picked it up and reach out and say hey this this is the best thing since sliced bread and I've discovered it solved a few murders tonight yeah and then hopefully they say they also really enjoy Shinigami preschool at the same time <laughs> yeah hopefully double whammy yeah we've never had that before so that'll be that'll be a first there you go well believe this has been another episode of trick talkers thank you so much for listening and if you want to see all of our information figure out more about trick talkers itself you can go to our link tree which we will put in the show notes and if you want to reach us directly you can email us at tricktalkers at gmail.com once again thank you everybody for listening we really appreciate your support and if you'd like to find your way into our discord to chat to us directly you can also do that with that thanks again Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your day.